0: Hey everyone, you are tuning in to a live episode of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast. I'm your host, Talataha, and we are live today on Clubhouse in the Human Behavior Club. Today's episode is being recorded for the Young and Profiting Podcast, and we have recruited an expert panel of guests to discuss NFTs, and we'll be learning the basics behind. These new digital assets. This is part one of a three part series. And in this episode, we'll cover the definition of NFTs, why they have value, and we'll understand the different applications that NFTs have. We'll also unpack Web 3.0 and the Metaverse and how they relate to NFTs and so much more. In part two of the series, we plan to cover NFTs for content creators. And in part three, we'll cover NFT investing and how to avoid scams. Each week, I'm going to bring you guys different experts based on the topic. And we'll be hosting all of these YAP Live events right here in the Human Behavior Club, the number one club on Clubhouse every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you guys give the club a follow so you don't miss out on these amazing events. I'm here today with a panel of experts on NFTs, including Ben Yu, who is an entrepreneur, crypto expert, a former Harvard student. He also is the CTO of Curious Addy's Trading Club, which is a game that teaches new users about NFTs and crypto. We also have John Kraske, my friend and co-founder of NFT Thought Leaders and director of strategic partnerships at NFT Genius. We have Brian Esposito, another one of my friends, CEO and founder of Esposito Intellectual Enterprises. He's also a BAPES NFT and BAPES Clan founding partner. And lastly, we have Ashley France, who's going to be joining us soon. And she is a Web3 consultant that takes Web 2.0 companies and helps them bridge into Web3.0. So I'm super excited for this session. And in terms of how it's going to work, we're going to have a guided interview with these panelists for the first hour, and then we're going to open it up to Q&A for the last 30 minutes. I do love for these sessions to be super interactive. So if you have a question, just raise your hand, DM me your question. And if it's relevant, we'll pull you up if it will add to the conversation. So don't be afraid to raise your hand. We love to get interactive. So we have a ton of ground to cover. I want to get started right away. And I figured we could start off with the history of NFTs to warm us up. So unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard about non-fungible tokens or NFTs. And in many ways, last year, 2021 was really the year of NFTs. NFTs is an innovation that gives creators the ability to monetize their work easily. And it also provides collectors with an efficient way to purchase and store value. NFTs kind of seemed like they came out of nowhere in 2021, but they actually traced back to 2012. They were originally supported by Bitcoin and they really took off once Ethereum came out in 2015, And they grew slowly from 2015 to 2020 and had an explosion in 2021 due to other blockchains such as Cardano starting to get in the game and also because of Facebook renaming itself Meta and moving into the metaverse. So it's super interesting to think about how NFTs really took off in 2021. So I'd love to hear from the panelists why they think 2021 really became the year of NFTs. I'm going to kick it over to Ben Yu first and then let's go to John. And if you're on the panel and you want to contribute to this question just flash your mic
1: all right yeah thank you so much for having me and amazing amazing uh introduction into nfts and so yeah 2021 was just a fascinating year because the concept like you said of nfts dates years back and yeah the last bull market that we had really in 2017 we started seeing the first mainstream kind of use cases of nfts the first one was CryptoKitties at the tail end of 2017 yeah they're they're have been to date minted like 3 million crypto kitties, but they, they were kind of flash in the pan. They never really caught on in the mainstream. And in 2021, yeah, you know, we had the next major bull market. So uh, Ethereum entered like a bear market along with everything else, 2018 to 2020. Towards the tail end of 2020, we started seeing just massive action of people being really interested for the first time on like a mainstream level in NFTs. And so we had the massive people sale where, you know, uh, at Christie's, the 5,000 days piece sold for like 60, 69 million, I think. And then after that, there was uh, the NBA the NBA Top Shot also just really brought this into mainstream. And I think, yeah, you know, the pandemic had a major part to play in it, where you could see collectibles across the board, Pokemon trading cards, all this stuff, right, just really started skyrocketing into value. And it became this natural outlet where people were like, oh, wow, this is the first time that you can really have digital assets that you know have value and you can buy these things and you know, prove your ownership over them. And then there was just so much, uh, such a profusion after those like major stories came out, a CryptoPunk sold for 7.5 million earlier in 2021. As the bull market happened, as people started talking about this, as people started hearing about it, yeah, just a ton of people came into space. And then we just saw so much innovation when Board Ape Yacht Club came out. There were just so many different PFP projects that started uh, coming out of the World Works. And then one of one, art pieces, the metaverse started becoming a big deal when Facebook Launched, yeah, you know, they they changed their name to Meta, and everyone started jumping onto that. And NFTs are the foundational building block of the metaverse. And so I think a lot of different confluence of events where the world is just progressively going more digital, sped up with the coronavirus pandemic, and all these things has just caused NFTs to kind of be a natural fit for uh, 2021 and people to really start paying attention to them.
0: Yeah, I think that was an awesome explanation in terms of why they really took off, John. I'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: That that was an amazing answer, Ben. I don't really have that much to add, but you know, you, you talked about the pandemic, and I really think that that did accelerate the growth curve because we were all holed up in our our homes for the past three and a half years. And I and I think the the community aspect was, is something that really really kind of drove that that growth because you know we're human beings and we want to connect with others. And there's a, there's a huge community building aspect around NFTs. Most of the successful projects have that, and you know. On Discord, you know, people were able to, to gather and interact and socialize. So I, I think that's something that uh, really, really helped kind of propel NFTs into the mainstream in 2021.
0: Yeah. And in my opinion, it seems like NFTs took off and gained traction faster than other crypto products did. So does anybody have any ideas in terms of why it really took off compared to other crypto assets?
1: Yeah. So... To my point, you know, the reason that I'm actually in NFTs and why we started Curious Ice Trading Club and all of that is because it's the most compelling mainstream use case of crypto that I've ever seen. And so I'm, I'm someone who's never been into art. I've never like ever collected, you know, physical art pieces or had any artistic taste. And so I always thought that other crypto products, you know, the major, the major use cases of crypto are you can buy and sell cryptos. And then you can use DeFi, which is decentralized finance, which is where you can go off and lend your crypto to other people. You can stake your crypto, earn interest, lots of things you can do there. And then there's DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, where you can basically create these democratic companies just run by people all over the world, even anonymously. And then there are NFTs. And those are three major use case areas that we're really seeing uh, kind of as a profusion of the smart contract work that's being done on blockchains and out of those three nfts are by far the most approachable where nfts make a lot of inherent sense and it appeals to an audience that's not necessarily extremely into the intricacies of the finance behind crypto which is what the DeFi audience kind of appeals to and not necessarily into all the technical kind of uh aspects of crypto as well but really it's just the concept is a lot more intrinsically interesting and appealing where it's bringing in an arts and culture crowd. And the way that I actually heard it, which is pretty interesting from a friend of mine who runs uh, Boss Beauties, and he's an artist and he said, "Yeah, you know, like, NFTs were so compelling to him because it was this way that you can actually start making money with your art. But it's similar to the bohemian kind of um, city cultures where there are maybe like some places in the city where artists first start to settle and then they bring culture into the city in that in that specific area and then it kind of gentrifies over time and everyone else kind of comes in because it's become hip it's become more popular and cultural i think that's really what nfts are doing to crypto is it's bringing culture to crypto for the first time and now there's something cool and hip that you can uh, actually just kind of uh, understand without actually knowing anything about the underlying technology and that's been really compelling about nfts
3: how can i jump in a little bit here
4: of course
1: Uh, So thanks again for having me. I really appreciate
3: it. Uh, one, One thing to think about, too, is over the last decade, you have to understand the foundational work that crypto and digital assets laid, whether it's the platforms like Coinbase and, you know, eToro, whatever you may use, all the banking regulations and being able to put digital assets in an account and trade it to fiat currency and The marketplace, you know, OpenSea allowed this to also explode and become accessible. So now it's at a position where anything that comes over top of what crypto and blockchain and all these digital asset movements that have happened over the last decade, things that come to the market now have a chance to explode very quickly. Uh, And then you start to attach very large audiences or celebrities or actors or actresses or athletes And one of our holdings, TurnCoin, is now sitting just under a $15 billion valuation. But it took us five years to develop the mechanism for people to buy virtual shares of people. And that's an NFT-based platform. But we weren't going to launch it in a market and not work with regulatory. So a lot of the things that companies and projects like the ones that we do, we do it right. We take the long road. But all that foundation has already been built. The infrastructure has already been built. So that's why NFTs was able to really move a lot faster than crypto moved move because that set the stage for NFTs to be able to explode.
0: Mm, those are some really, really interesting points. I'd love to hear from Ashley. And I was wondering if you could kind of take it back a notch because we've got a lot of beginners and I think we need to understand what NFTs are. So can you help us define what a non-fungible token is?
4: Yeah, no problem. Thank you again so much for you know having me. I really appreciate it. And I just wanted to piggyback off of the previous note that we were talking about in regards to why NFTs were taking off so fast. And I think one of the main reasons is that it's a lot easier for people to understand and conceptualize as opposed to, I think, like crypto coins in regards to really seeing how not only just for like artists but creators etc can really utilize this tool to not only own the content that they'll be creating but also how to monetize it from years on and then I think the second point also is actually the community that comes with NFTs in general they They've been super, super welcoming for people in regards to like teaching people how to, you know, set up their wallet, how to get started with NFTs, how to create a minting page, what you need in your roadmap, et cetera. And I think because there's such an openness of let's teach people how to bridge into Web3 through this space and let's teach people how to get set up with NFTs, I think that's something that's really helped driven and, and pushing people to want to actually get involved in this.
0: Mm, I love those points. Great job, Ashley. And uh, maybe, Ben, do you want to define what a non-fungible token is? I know you have a lot of courses and so you're a great teacher when it comes to NFTs.
1: Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So non-fungible token, even the word itself, right, is kind of weird. We don't really talk about fungibility, so we can break it down. So what exactly does fungible mean? Fungible means something that is perfectly interchangeable with something else. And the most... Daily basic example that we typically use is money. And so if you have one US dollar, it's perfectly interchangeable with any other US dollar in the world. Technically, you know, they're not exactly unique. One might be crumpled, one might be older, whatever it is, but you know, no one really cares that you're giving them one specific US dollar versus another one because they have the exact same value. That's also true of things like cryptocurrency. So you have Bitcoin, you have Ethereum. No one really cares if you have one specific Ether that was mined in 2016 versus one that was mined in 2018 because they have exactly the same value. So fungible things are things that are perfectly interchangeable. So non-fungible things, on the other hand, are things that are unique that are not perfectly interchangeable, And this is actually most things in the world. So if you think of, for example, dogs, right? Like if you dropped off your dog at a dog hotel and then you come back and they gave you another dog, you'd be like super upset. You'd be like, you know, <laughs> that's not my dog, right? And they're like, if they were like, what do you mean? Like all dogs are the same. You'd be like, that's totally insane. And it's the same thing if you like drop off your kid at daycare and like, you know, you pick up your baby and like they give you another baby. And like all these things are non-fungible and we intrinsically understand that, they're totally unique. And just because they're all babies or they're all dogs or they're all homes or things like that, you know, they're all of different value and they all have different properties. And so non-fungible tokens just refer to digital assets that are unique and you can't perfectly exchange one for the other. And so there are a lot of different categories of non-fungible assets. And so the most common ones that you kind of see in the NFT world deal with things like art. And so we're talking about images we're talking about videos we're talking about all these digital assets and you might have heard the things like cryptopunks and that's a collection of 10,000 just pixelated little punks and they all look the same so they're all part of the same collection but each one is actually unique from another one and they don't have the same value because of that some of them are more rare because they have different traits like there are very few alien crypto punks and so those are worth a lot more money and even among those there are alien crypto punks with a pipe and like without the pipe and things like that and so that's what non-fungibility really refers to is the fact that these things are unique and then there are other kind of non-fungible assets like for example digital land in the metaverse and so there's a lot of you know virtual reality worlds that are coming out that people are starting to basically be able to own land in just like you might own land in real life. And so owning a specific parcel of land is also non-fungible because its value differs from a different piece of land based on the various environmental properties of where you are. For example, if you're in the middle, the heart of like a central metropolitan area in the metaverse, it's kind of like buying land in like New York City versus like Arkansas or something like that. And so those are all the different concepts. And so a lot of the concepts of non-fungible assets in real life, like lands, like real estate, like pictures, paintings, art, things like that, are now just being applied into digital assets in the form of non-fungible tokens, if that makes sense
0: makes total sense. And that was an excellent explanation. So thank you so much. So let's talk about why NFTs are not easy to counterfeit. And what's the underlying support of NFTs that make them so valuable? So why don't we kick that off to John? Why are NFTs hard to counterfeit?
2: I think that's a Ben question. I'm, I'm not even going to step on his toes with
0: that. <laughs> ben. <laughs> ben knows the answer. <laughs>
2: ben knows the answer i mean professor ben is in the house i i I don't want to disrupt his flow when it comes
1: to the super technical stuff so yeah 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 i'll 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 say there are no experts in nfts we're all we're all learning this because it's so new but i appreciate it but um yeah yeah so why why are nfts so hard to counterfeit well that that's that's really interesting because it is true. From a technical perspective, NFTs are very difficult to counterfeit. Way more so than in real life when you have one Gucci bag or something like that. and you know, like People can easily counterfeit these things. Or paintings, the Mona Lisa, there are like replicas that no one can tell apart. In museums, for example, literally it's been estimated that 20% of these muse- uh, art in museums is fake. And these are things that literally experts have just spent so much time with the best equipment trying to figure out if they're fake or not, and there's no way to really tell. And so on that On that degree, blockchain technology makes NFTs a lot more easy to verify actual truth of ownership and provenance. And provenance just means kind of the history of uh, given art piece or any kind of digital asset or anything uh, painting in real life. Meaning, you know, when was it created? Who was it created by? Who first bought it? Who was the second owner? All of that stuff. And all of that stuff is extremely easy to verify with a NFT because it's all recorded on the blockchain. So in order to understand why this is such a big concept, we kind of have to understand what the blockchain is. And the blockchain really is a kind of distributed database. And a database is just a place where you store information. And so you can think of it kind of like a bank ledger, right? It records different transactional information, like Ben sent one Ether, one dollar, whatever it is to, you know, Hala and so forth. And so that information gets recorded in there. But then, you know, Ethereum's main innovation was realizing that not only do you, are you able to record just financial information, you're also able to record any kind of information. So now you can record information about creating a NFT, a digital asset, and also information about who has owned that NFT for how much money it was sold and the entire history of it. And so when you look at a given NFT, like a CryptoPunk, and you know this is CryptoPunk, let's say 5,000 or something like that, you can check a thing called the contract address, which is a Ethereum piece of code that's been put on the blockchain. And with that contract address, you can read a couple of functions on the code which are just you know programs that have been written so that you can check certain things and all nfts typically follow a given standard so that they're all interchangeable they have the exact same function so any program any person knows exactly how to check like who the current owner is and then also you can check things like who bought this token last, and so forth. And so you can read this entire history of every single NFT. So if you look at CryptoPunk 5000, you check the code, you go back, you can see, oh, this was actually made by the first, the correct smart contract. The, uh, the one that the original creators of CryptoPunks, you know, kind of put on the blockchain. Okay, so you got that information. And then you can see, oh, okay, this was first sold to Gary Vaynerchuk for like ETH or something like that, and then sold to this person and so forth. And so they have this whole record. And so everything is perfectly transparent. And every down the blockchain can be viewed by anyone in the world. And so it's this perfectly open database that anyone can see that just records a immutable transaction history of everything that's ever been done. So in theory, yes, NFTs are totally easy to verify truth of as long as you can understand those technical details or as long as there is an easy enough user interface that's been developed around like a simple website where people can just like go and check these details and plug it in and so forth. Unfortunately, right now there are a ton of scams in NFTs. And it's because the space is so new. And so for sure in the future, it's going to be super easy for anyone to just know, oh, this thing has like the you know green check mark that you kind of see on like Twitter, right? This is an authenticated real transaction from a real like a NFT collection. And OpenSea, some of these major marketplaces already have these features, but they're not totally correct. And so on the other flip side, anyone can create a smart contract to try to replicate and counterfeit a NFT. And so it is possible for someone to just copy the exact same digital image of a CryptoPunk or all 10,000 CryptoPunks, right-click, save them, and then deploy them with a new smart contract and then say, hey, this is a CryptoPunks collection and then try to give that to someone else. And if you're able to technically understand all the stuff that we just talked about, you'd be able to really quickly tell for sure that, hey, this is a completely fake CryptoPunk. But if you don't look at that, if you're just looking at the picture, there is no way to tell the pictures apart or any of that. And so there's a bit of a nuance. It is very difficult to counterfeit. In the future, it will be basically impossible to Uh, Have fake versions of these images and things like that once verification systems, all that are much more in place. But right now, you do have to be careful. It is still possible to get scammed with kind of uh, fake NFTs.
0: Hold tight, everyone. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn, and I love to teach sales they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiter's who wanna try LinkedIn ads. You can get $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you wanna make B2B marketing everything it can be and get $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you wanna claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. That was really, really great. And I know part three, we're going to really go into investing and scams. So if you guys are interested in that, make sure you stay tuned to another session coming soon. Brian, I saw you flashing your mic and I know you just put out an NFT project. So I would love to get from you the steps at a high level to launch an NFT. And if you wanted to add to what Ben said first, that would be cool too. Uh, Yeah, I was
3: going to just touch on the the scams uh, part, but Ben touched it at the end. You know, it's... Like anything new, any new industry, everybody's got to get burned to, to learn what to look for. You know, I, I think people get scammed when they're going through the pre uh phase because the emotions are so high and they want to get it so quickly that they don't read the proper addresses. It'll make sure that everything's accurate. And, and I'll tell you what, these scammers are so good that even sometimes I thought it was our own. Stuff. I'm like, this looks exactly like our project. Uh, So it is unfortunate, but and there has to be some better systems in place to help protect people. But at the end of the day, right now, it's just everybody just needs to take a breath and read everything correctly, make sure they're getting all the official announcements from that project's official Instagram, Twitter, Discord pages or servers. So I know I I think probably 90% of people that are just jumping into the industry for the first time or buying an NFT. Have gotten scammed or burnt and so it helps them look for, look out for the next one but just just be careful everybody listening and take a second and, and make sure you're, you're getting all the correct information directly from that project but how we launched our babes project i can tell you the steps that we did it was uh it quickly became one of the fastest organically growing nft projects in the world we looked at the entire market and we wanted to issue something very different something that we believe provided an exceptional utility uh, enhanced value for its, for the community. And we did that by, A, launching beautiful design artwork by Pixar, Disney, and 21st Century Fox designers. So that was our initial step, was to give this market something really amazing, uh, graphics and appearances that really stood out from the rest. And then what we did was we went around and we, we pulled in what, what is known as a docs team, and we brought in 25 exceptional business people and leaders from around the world. We brought in people like the co-founder of E! Entertainment, Larry Namer. We brought in music icon and legend, uh, Charlie Walk. We brought in um, just, just an, a, a, an assault of amazing people. I could see Liss is here an amazing PR and marketing and branding uh, of a woman. Uh, obviously, Holly, you were one of our babes ambassadors. So we went across the board into many different industries and we brought in leaders and we brought in seasoned leaders that have been in, 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 in their industry or in their market for a long time. And then we picked some exceptional rock stars that we believe are the future of NFTs and crypto and digital assets. And that allowed us to really stand out and, and build this movement. And what happened was the community just grew Massively and too fast. Honestly, we were not ready for the growth that that happened. We went to nearly a hundred thousand members in our Discord within a few weeks. Our Twitter also blew up at the same time. We were also, I believe, the first project to successfully launch an NFT project on LinkedIn, uh, and we saw some amazing things happening there. Where everybody that uses LinkedIn, it's a professional network to do business, and the key thing, uh, Holly, we talked about this on on a previous uh, Twitter Spaces was. The, the fact that people were changing their profile images to a, one of our BAPES designs was something I never thought I'd see in my life. When you're doing business in LinkedIn and you're connecting with people, you want people to see your face and make that connection and maybe do a business deal or maybe set up a meeting. And the steps that we did here was everybody worked 24-7. We did Twitter spaces sometimes three four times a day. Uh, Some of those Twitter spaces had over 8,000 people listening in to our babes ambassadors, to our founders and uh, contracts and partnerships we kept announcing almost daily. But we, you know, basically what I did was I took 20 years of work and all the mistakes that I made, don't do those, bring in amazing people and go into this market correctly, go in with seasoned professionals that know how to launch major, major companies, projects, technologies, partnerships. And we created what is known as the first MetaVestor fund. So the utility behind the VAPES NFT is that everybody is part of the growth of what we do. Uh, The the DAO is set up to take a portion of the funds and invest into uh, Metaverse or Web 3.0 projects, technologies, and companies. The community votes on which projects we we invest in. And we create MetaWards or MetaVins for the growth of those companies. So this whole thing is de-risked with capital coming in from the NFT sale. And, a, and an amazing list of business people to help support those startups that the Meta Fund MetaVest in. So, you know, we looked at this thing very differently. We created something that I think is completely unique. And I hope we set a benchmark and a precedent as to how future NFT projects are launched and, and, and do it better than we did and, and ensure that this industry needs to survive by successful NFT projects. It needs to survive by people doing good business and having ethics and morals and values. Because if that doesn't happen, this as fast as it's growing, it can easily turn around and 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 nobody will touch it. So we we want to make sure that we're we're doing it right.
0: Yeah, and I can definitely attest to like vapes was like an idea to like oh my gosh, this is like happening so fast. And there were so many people involved. So I can attest to how fast that grew. So this is a great segue to talk about community related to NFTs because NFTs can really function like a membership card and it can provide access to events and exclusive merch and special discounts. It's like having digital keys to an online space where only holders can engage with each other. And Because the blockchain is public, it's also possible to send additional products directly to anybody who owns a given token. So I'd love to talk about that in a little bit. But really, I want to talk about community. And I want to talk about why it's so important for NFT creators to build highly engaged communities with their NFT projects and to support their brand. So I'm going to kick it over to Ashley. I think you probably have a lot to say about this. Can you talk about why community is such an important element when it comes to NFTs?
4: Yes, of course. So unlike in Web 2, when you launch products or services and people will attach um, random celebrities, influencers, et cetera, have been able to have successful launches, that is not the same in Web 3. The whole point of our concept of Web 3 is being decentralized and being community-based. So as you're literally building infrastructures together. And community is the core and the basis of any major NFT project, right? Um, the current Web3 community, though it's still super small and we're still super early, they're definitely welcoming more and more people into the space, but they're also really being careful about the territory and making sure that those who are currently integrating into the current Web3 space have good intentions, they're providing value, and they want to do you know basically good in this space. So I would say not only building your own community for your project is super- super important, but also taking the time to engage and bridge into the current Web3 community because nine times out of 10, something that you're doing, there's other like discords or communities or groups that are already done it or touch it. So definitely taking the time to engage into the current community, to network with people, be a part of conversations like this, Twitter spaces, et cetera, so you can have that boost in community to help you actually grow your project. And then along with your own current community, it's super important to take the time. And I want to reiterate, again, taking the time to build your community because a lot of projects or people who want to put out projects that I talk to on a daily basis. They take months and months in regards to the back end of the technical aspect of their project, whether it's creating the NFT, the smart contract, minting page, et cetera. But then they don't want to take the proper time to actually build a community. They want to drop the next week or drop in two weeks. And unfortunately, it doesn't really work like that. You need to take the time to curate content to attract your ideal audience. You need to take time to engage with people. You need to take time to actually provide to them. It's a two-way street in this space. It's not the typical, you know, buyer-consumer type of relationship. It really is a community and people are buying into what you're doing. So if you want them to buy into what you're doing, you need to give them a reason to do that. You need to show them that, hey, what we're doing, we want you to come along with us. And this is the value and the utility that you're going to be getting. So I really, really urge anyone who's thinking about currently putting out a project or has put out a project and kind of struggling with selling it to retail revisit the fundamentals and taking the time to actually think about who is your ideal community? Who do you want to be a part of this ecosystem that you're building? And what are different ways that you can reach these people and show them that they should be a part of this community, whether it's curating more content, engaging with them, partnerships, et cetera.
0: I love that. Great job. So I want to kick it over to Ben now. And I want to talk about how NFTs can basically endow their owners as time goes on with more value. And I think that's what makes NFTs really different from other things is that you don't only just own like the digital asset, for example, you can also get access to events later on or new things can come about because the blockchain is programmable. So Ben, could you talk to us about that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. No, this is one of the most amazing things about NFTs. exactly as you say. So I'm really glad that we're touching on this. A physical asset is fixed. It's like a painting can't really give you access to other things because it's just a physical kind of object that hangs on your wall. But in NFT, the skeuomorphic kind of, you know, initial understanding of NFT was kind of an, anal- an analog to that where it's like, okay, now we have a painting. Now we make it digital. Now we give it ownership, and that's an NFT. But then, exactly as you said, because NFTs are programmable, we realize over time, and we keep building in this ecosystem. It's like there's so many more things you can do with NFTs, and the NFT itself, for example, can grow over time. NFTs are not always immutable, meaning that they're not uh, changeable. You can have NFTs that can. Get animated over time or can uh, become 3D and things like that. And you, you can change the metadata that NFT points to. And so that's, that's one way that NFT literally itself can even grow. But speaking to your second point of how a NFT can give you utility over time, an example is for us, for example, we have these curious Addy NFTs. They're these unique little cute little octopuses that you buy as an image and you get the image. But also with that, that image, that NFT, is stored inside your Ethereum wallet. And so you have this MetaMask wallet. It's a, it's a place where you can store pretty much all your crypto assets, like NFTs, like Ether, and so forth. And when you go to specific different websites, you can connect that wallet. And when you connect that wallet and you can sign the message that proves that you own that wallet, it's kind of like your access pass to anything that that website kind of uh, wants to offer. And so that website can be anything or it can be even more than that. And so, for example, for us, we have a portfolio tracker. And if you go to portfolio.curiousaddies.com, you can see you connect your wallet. And as you connect your wallet, we check to see if you have a Curious Addy NFT. And if you have a Curious Addy NFT, then you're able to go ahead and use our portfolio tracker, which allows you to just... uh, pulls in all the data about your NFTs, how much you bought them for, how much they're worth now, how much money you've made, things like that. And there's no reason that any NFT, we partner with other projects, we let other NFTs also kind of use this as you know partners and things like that. And so that's, that's one thing that you can do with this. You can even bring it into the real world. And sometimes for different events, they actually check to see that you have a NFT and then you can go ahead and print a ticket to go to real life event. So the kind of NFT can become an access pass to any kind of event in the real world or even more digitally in the metaverse. You go into Decentraland, one of these kind of virtual reality worlds, and there are some events that you can just gate where they only let you in if you have the right NFTs. And so this is where a lot of NFTs are going is providing a lot of utility. It's not just that you're buying this image. And like Brian, you said, right? Like having an awesome image, like having really, really well-designed art is really powerful for a lot of these NFT projects. But on top of that, you can just add unlimited kinds of utility, products, applications that they get access to, events that they get access to, even possibly giving them real physical prints, things like that, merchandise, a lot of things that people can do and have been doing to add more value to NFTs over time.
0: A question that I have for the panel, and I'll keep this a free for all. You guys can just flash your mic if you want to chip in. I want to know why NFTs grow in value. How do NFTs grow in value over time? We did touch on it just now, but I want to speak on it a little bit more. Does anybody want to answer that question?
4: Um, So I think NFTs grow in value two ways. One, um, it's from the actual creator. So whenever I work on NFT projects, I focus not on the actual utility that people will provide and launch, but utility that we can continue to provide over time, whether it be in the next three months, six months or four years. So continuing to add value to those who hold the NFT holders. And then I think the second aspect is the actual community, whether it's the, the people who are actually joining the community and the size of the community. So I definitely think those two aspects are ways that have a really big impact on continuing to grow the value of the NFT project.
0: Awesome. And does anybody else want to add to that?
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll apply it to our project. Uh, again, I'm taking old school business practices and philosophies. It's demand and scarcity and, and tremendous utility. You know The things that we're doing, I could speak on. I never like to come up with opinions, but I could tell you we're adding Tremendous demand because we've included private aviation perks. we uh, one of our business BAPES ambassadors is Raul Leal, who's the CEO of the One Hotel, Backrat, and Treehouses. So we'll be doing some incredible travel and um, personalized experiences for our BAPES community and our in and our and our NFT project. You know, we're also giving uh, part of the part ownership in um, in our BAPES world where all of our NFT holders will actually own a piece of real estate in the metaverse where they get an apartment with their NFT. Uh, we announced uh, with uh, Artemis Space Network that we're going to be minting our Genesis Two NFT project uh, from the International Space Station. Uh, so in our case, it's real value. It's opening up. But w- w- what I love about the space play is that we're we're utilizing BAPES and our relationships with these amazing private space companies—a uh, way for. The regular public, which has been stuck behind a TV or a web screen or their phone since the 60s, wanting to be involved in space, and it was only government agencies, and then it was just the uber wealthy. Now, with what we're doing and some other great projects, we're opening up opportunities where the community can be part of something that they never thought they'd ever have any real connection to. Uh, we also announced uh, Music IP. You know, one of our BAPES community members is a phenomenal uh, singer, songwriter, and musician. And we rolled out Vibe with the Tribe, which is actually kind of an anthem for our project. And we've given uh, the publishing rights minus all the admin fees uh, and IP ownership to all the NFT holders. So they're actually going to be earning as that song is played or streamed or if there's live performances. So in our case, It's just business, you know, it's creating real value, creating real utility, and it's complete scarcity. If you think of public companies that have tens, hundreds, billions of shares outstanding, and you look at those share prices, and then you look at NFTs that have 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 NFTs issued, it's not a lot. And if you have a smart team that really respects the community, that's smart with their decisions and involves the community, you can always add value. And in our case, we don't want anybody to ever sell our NFT. We want them to treat it like Berkshire Hathaway Class A stock and something that they pass down from generation to generation.
0: I loved that example, Brian. And Ben, I'd love to understand from you how communities can actually help their NFT projects grow in value. So actually, owners of these NFTs can actually increase their value just through their engagement. Can you help us understand that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the, uh, the best example of this is the original PFP project, CryptoPunks. And so I'll, I'll talk about, this is, like, I wrote an article called "NFTs 101, it's the longest piece, <laughs> anyone's. It's a brand about MCs, 30,000 words. And in there, I basically spent like half of it talking about crypto punks, which is this original thing, which like on its face value makes no sense why it's worth so much. Because you look at it and it's like, it's crazy that someone has paid $10 million for this weird pixelated picture of a punk. And so why Why is that? Like, why would someone do that? And it really comes down to community. So one of my good friends, his name's Dylan Field. He runs... Figma, uh, this like $10 billion company. He's the reason I kind of got into NFTs because I didn't understand it. I thought NFTs were total scam and like, you know, just crazy that people are spending so much money like buying these. But this guy's obviously way smarter than I am. And so I'm like, all right, if he's into this, like, you know, I'll, I'll take a look. And so he he was one of the biggest people into this. He started buying CryptoPunks back in 20, 2018. And they were like $100 for, you know, one CryptoPunk. And then he bought what he thought was the most valuable one. The Mona Lisa, CryptoPunk, seven eight zero four is what he you know calling the calls it for like fifteen thousand dollars. This total crazy amount of money, and then he sold it this year for uh, or last year rather for seven point five million, and that's that's totally crazy. And it's like you know well what what happened? What what changed the uh, the value so drastically over the last like three years? And it really does come down to community. And so he talks about this. He has a great interview that you can read where he kind of talks about why first he got into CryptoPunks. And it was really because he got into Discord, he started looking at the community, and he was like, whoa, these people are like, they love it. They they love this, and they're here not for the price, paradoxically, not for any of the stuff. They just genuinely uh, love the other people who are in this community, and they're so dedicated to this project. And they were just like talking all day about the rarity, whatever, and i like, oh, this one is like super cool for this reason, and so forth. And they just kind of create this like very passionate kind of like cult following behind CryptoPunks. And then, you know, that that sustained it to the point where his his whole thing is, you know, all these communities that uh, are really strong long-term grow in this organic kind of slow way. And you have this, like, subculture that kind of forms around CryptoPunks. And then at some point, you know, you have this inflection point where it starts going mainstream. And so what happened last year to really blow it up? Well, literally, uh, Serena Williams, Jay-Z, Snoop Dogg, uh, all these, like, insane famous people start turning their... Images on Twitter to their profile pictures to CryptoPunks, and you look at these people. They have like tens of millions of followers, and it's like, how much money would you need to pay one of these people to actually advertise something to this level, and to literally do it to the point that they would change their actual profile picture to your thing, right? It's like you can never pay enough money to get I don't know Jay Z or something like that to go ahead and like change his like image to a Adidas or like you know Nike or whatever it is like company but they're doing it for free for crypto punks and not only are they doing it for free they actually themselves paid for the privilege of doing this advertising right they paid like five hundred thousand dollars a million dollars to buy one of these like images and they're like advertising it and that's just so powerful and like that's really what nfts have kind of done in this like community natural building thing is everyone has skin in the game, and when you have one of these things, you just kind of want to kind of increase the stats of it. You want to share it with all your friends. You want to talk about it. You want people to know about it, and that just naturally increases the mind share. And this goes back to why does any art have value, and why is like the middle Lisa worth like eight hundred million dollars? And really, it's, it's an accent. The Mona Lisa itself, like, you can say, oh, it's because it's the most famous painting in the world. And then the question is, you know, why is it the most famous painting in the world? And then maybe the answer is it's because it's the best painting in the world. But if that were really the case, what's really interesting is the Mona Lisa was unknown for 400 years. No one knew about the Mona Lisa outside, like, the Art Intelligentsia until one random little accent in 1911. And that accent was, the Mona Lisa was stolen from the Louvre by this uh, Italian thief called Perugia. And when that was stolen, it became this international overnight scandal, and everyone in the world started hearing about it. And then after that, it was kind of a blip on the radar, you know, like you hear about it, but then it would die away. But then someone made this really famous parody of the Melissa, like this original meme. And then that meme starts spreading like virally like wildfire. And then more people started memeing it. And now anyone in the world in Africa, Asia, Europe, America, you, ask them about the Melissa and they know it. And that is extremely powerful. And you can even like put this into numerical terms. There's an estimate by the former art director of the Louvre that 80% of the people who go to the art museum go there just to see the Mona Lisa. And you know you pay $20 a ticket, there are 10 million people who go, that comes out to $160 million every year of people basically just paying to go see the Mona Lisa. So when something is famous, for regardless of what reason something is well known or has mind share, it has real meaningful value that actually can't be translated even in like a direct financial case to real money. And that's what we see happening with communities, the power of these growing communities with NFTs. When everyone in the world knows about CryptoPunks because all these people who own it are spreading the knowledge and like uh, sharing and advertising it for free, then these things become worth so much more money. And everyone kind of wants one. It becomes a status symbol. It can become a Veblen GLID, things that paradoxically, as they become more expensive, become more desired, and there's more demand for them because everyone wants it, you know? and there are only 10,000 in the world. How many rich people are there in the world who want the status of being the owner of the original NFT profile picture? And, you know, that, that kind of logic, that kind of scarcity, plus the demand, plus the mindshare that the community can build is extremely powerful and can really increase the value of NFTs.
0: Let's hold that thought and take a quick break with our sponsors. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Young and profiters, I'm about to be jet-setting all over the world. I'm going to London, Cancun, New Orleans, and New York to speak. I'm gonna be up there with the bright lights and I wanna be spiffy. I wanna look fresh. And so I'm going on a big shopping spree. I gotta get clothes, I gotta get hair stuff, skincare stuff, Makeup. But I'm not going to feel guilty about this shopping spree because Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Rakuten is the shopping platform for savvy savers. From May 6th to May 13th, they're having their biggest cashback event of the year. I'm talking about 15% cashback at hundreds of stores with additional cashback bonuses. And they've got so many stores participating in their Big Give Week. So when it comes to clothes, I'm looking at Splendid and Good American. And when it comes to beauty, they've got so many good stores participating. They've got Ulta, Fenty, Bobbi Brown, Blue Mercury, and all the products that we love. Now we can get cash back. It's like getting a discount on the stuff you're going to buy anyway. It's absolutely amazing. They even have travel brands. So that's going to be super convenient for me with all my upcoming trips. Expedia, Hotels.com. You can get deals on everything from electronics to home goods to travel and beauty. Young and Profiters, you're going to want to grab this limited time deal with both hands. You get high cashback rates for only eight days. So hurry. Membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app at R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Wow, that was so great, and it's just so crazy how community is just so important and fundamental to these this NFT space. It's something that I feel like nobody has ever seen before, and it just gives a lot of power to people that own the NFTs or actually like investors in this project. The other thing that I think makes NFTs valuable is the creators themselves, and as the creator kind of grows in popularity the NFT goes up in value. So Ashley, I'd love to hear from you the importance of having a very great creator behind NFTs that are related to some sort of digital asset.
4: Yeah, I think it's super important as any type of creator creating an NFT project to um, be in the forefront in regards to explaining who they are, what they do, who they're serving and the purpose behind the project. Um, Not only to increase that autonomy with your current community or to grow your community, but also to increase transparency. As mentioned before on stage, there's been so many different scams and rug pulls in the NFT space. So I think it makes people feel a lot more comfortable and wanting to actually invest in your project to know exactly who the creator is behind the project. Now, though projects that have like celebrities and big influencers behind them are cool and they do get, you know, more eyes on them quickly, but I don't necessarily think it means that you have to be like a famous person or have a lot of followers to have a successful NFT project. I think that your intent with your project, i.e. why you're doing it, as well as you know the utility behind it, keeping up with your promises, uh, taking time to actually grow your community, to me, that's what makes you a good creator, not necessarily like your current status online or who you're associated with, but I've noticed especially on Twitter where there's thousands of creators who have less than 10,000 followers and are able to sell things for one ETH or two ETH. And it's not because they have a bunch of followers or that they are attached to any type of celebrity, but it's the fact that they actually took the time to do the groundwork. They took the time to grow their community. They actually you know, provided utility for their audience. Just to give an example, there is a creator called Iman Europe, and she actually was able to fundraise for a housewarming party um, where everyone who, you know, was able to chime in to fundraise for this, they were able to see her new home. They were able to watch a live performance, etc. And I feel like these type of things where your actual community is not only investing in your career, but investing your lifestyle and being a part of your journey, you really haven't seen before. So I definitely think this creates a new space, not only for just influencers and celebrities, but also for independent artists and upcoming creators to to be able to actually monetize off of this and have their community really, really invest in them.
0: Thank you, Ashley. Does anybody else have anything to add when it comes to creators and how NFTs can grow in value based on the creators behind them?
5: I'm helping a, a, a guy, I'm sorry, Don Wetrick. I've seen this, and this has been kind of talked about, that in the beginning, some of the NFT creators were, I think there's been a lot of, copycat stuff where it is now seen unfortunately as a get rich quick scheme and i think that's why ashley's to ashley's credit the the people that are taking time to know their community is i think making people feel a bit a little bit more comfortable but i, I do want to ask ashley and and in the panel you know i talk to a lot of young people and the NFT space is now like, I, this can be there, I can retire early. What would be some advice I could give to young people to not necessarily buy into the hype, but look for NFT projects that are that have value?
4: Yeah, no, I actually get this question all the time often. People we say, well, how do we find out about the latest and newest projects? One of the best places to do that, I would say, is Twitter, because a lot of Not only just creators, but a lot of the creators on Twitter are also investors in other projects. So they'll host Twitter spaces on a daily basis, discussing about different projects and things that they are, you know, investing in. They're allowing um, people who are putting out new projects to like come on Twitter spaces and talk about their projects. So I definitely think that that is the a really, really good space and resource to really understand, you know, what's new and certain things you can invest in, Um, but also keeping your wits about it and saying, you know, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. So making sure you're doing your, your own research in these projects and seeing exactly, you know, who's behind them. Do they have a good track record? What type of utility are they offering? Is it what they're offering realistic? I think a lot of projects, a good chunk of them have good intentions, but then a lot of them don't have the actual bandwidth or team to deliver on these promises um, that they have mapped out in the roadmap. So really just making sure you're taking the time to do your research, connect with people who are currently in the space and getting advice. And also, as I always say, don't invest money that that you can't afford to lose.
0: Brian, did you want to add to that?
3: Yeah, just, just something that I thought was really interesting and I think worked out to the benefit of these creators or these young creators is one of our holdings is Somnium Space. Uh, I'm a little biased, but I think it's one of the better VR and metaverse worlds. And I've been part of that company for over three years. And it was like pulling teeth to get brands, IP artists into that world and have them understand, here's a new medium for you to value your work and to monetize your work. And I'm honored to know and work with some exceptional artists that their work is in museums. They're in you know, six-star resorts. They're just very credible, amazing artists. And they couldn't get their head wrapped around it. And these are friends. And I think what, what worked out great is that these artists, these amazingly talented people that nobody's ever heard of were able to create such wealth with their talent. And they were young and they were passionate and they used this new movement to become something, I think that was fantastic. Looking back at it, I think if that didn't happen the way that it happened, there would have been another psychological block. Well, I can't do it because you have to be a, an already established artist or a creator to be able to make money in this new space. Uh, so, you know, Monday Morning Quarterbacking, I'm glad that it was the youth and people that don't have the didn't have the credibility or the um, or the long standing history that were able to expedite this movement.
0: Yeah, I think those are some great points. Don, did you have anything to add there or, or any follow-ups?
5: No, those were great. I echo a lot of the sentiments. I, I there's a lot of unknowns uh coming up and I it's been interesting cuz uh, Gary Vaynerchuk has been, you know, sending the signals that there's going to be a lot of projects that are going to go to zero, but there's also going to be a lot of learning and shifting and pivoting on people figuring it out. So I'm I'm very I'm very high on the space, but I'm very, um, well, heck, I'm old enough to remember 1998 and the dot-com <laughs> era. <laughs> this uh, is starting uh, to look I'm, a lot
3: like it. I'm with you, Don. There's a correction in every industry, and if you uh, and if you have the resources to, to take advantage of it, uh, there's always opportunities to pick up, whether distressed assets, it doesn't matter what market or industry. You know, corrections, unfortunately, people get hurt because they get in too late, uh, but they are healthy for markets. They are healthy for people to get back in and to, and and to and to make it stronger. And, and hopefully, it doesn't drop to a zero number like some people are are talking about. But yeah. uh, I'm all for a correction. I've always turned it into a benefit, and, and and it does add value in the long run. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much, Don, for that question. Speaking of questions, we're about to roll into our Q&A portion of today's segment. So go ahead and raise your hand if you have a question for our expert panelists on NFTs. Stick to the topic, NFTs or cryptocurrency, but we're mostly talking about NFTs today. We covered a lot of ground. So go ahead and raise your hand if you have a question and we're going to do Q&A. First, though, John, I have a question for you. I know you work with a lot of big brands in the NFT space and I'd love to hear how big brands are getting involved.
2: Absolutely. So my role, I'm Director of Strategic Partnerships at NFT Genius, which is a Mark Cuban, and Ashton Kutcher, Dapper Labs, venture-backed technology platform. And we've just launched a marketplace called Gaia, and it's focused on five key verticals, TV, film, music, sports, and pop culture. And my my job on a day-to-day basis is talking to all these big brands in in, in the music vertical, talking to all the big music labels, in the entertainment vertical, talking to all the studios, in the sports vertical, talking to all the the sports teams and sports leagues, and then in the pop culture vertical, talking to companies and consumer products, automakers, and basically walking them through what an NFT is, how do you drop a, a successful NFT collection and it's pretty interesting because I've been having these conversations with all these big brands over the last year, and none of them still have fully immersed themselves in space. It's a lot of education. there's still a lot of concerns for big brands in terms of IP, environmental friendliness. And another big struggle big brands has is how do you build out internally an NFT team? What does that look like? Is it do you, who do you hire? Is it a creative person, a community manager? Like who, who are these key resources you need? so uh, at this point right now I'm, I'm still educating a lot of the big brands you know the, the, the crazy part is is that um if you look today i think non-fungible released nft sales for 2021 and they were 17 billion and that was mostly from collectibles and gaming the big brands and mass consumer adoption hasn't even happened i think there's about 2.5 million crypto wallets the population of the world is what eight billion so i mean we're super super early still and it'll be really interesting to see which big brands kind of make a push. I mean, Nike made an interesting uh, acquisition by an artifact. So, you know, they already bought a company that was existing in the space. Maybe some of these brands start to do that as well. It, it, it just, it just, it just super, it's just super interesting just dealing with these brands and kind of another thing that the brands have a concern about is the community building aspect. Unfortunately, Discord is there's a lot of issues in terms of security and just controlling the brand narrative. And there, there's just a lot of concerns going in there. I mean, the Discord was really built for video gamers; it was not built to really scale up community building in Web3. So, you know, as more smart money and smart minds enter the space, I think you're going to start seeing better solutions for Web3. But you know, I, I just I don't think the infrastructure is there right now for a lot of these big brands to just jump in 100. I think there's a lot of AB testing. I think there's still a lot of education. So. That, that's what I do on a day-to-day basis. It, it's fun, but it, it's it's still super early. I think, I think what Brian's doing in terms of sort of a membership NFT experience, I think that's sort of the next wave right now until the big brands really decide what they're going to do. And just one other thing, just to kind of like step back a bit. A year ago, I literally didn't even know what an NFT was. And now I probably know maybe what 2% of NFTs are all about. And that somehow makes me an expert because I know... more than 98% of the population. But anybody that's out there still trying to educate themselves, some of the things I did to just kind of get up to speed, I think LinkedIn is an amazing resource aside from Twitter. I think Twitter focuses a lot more on sort of the collectors. I think LinkedIn, you're going to probably interact with people in a little more of a a, a business mindset. I think going to these conferences like NFT NYC, NFT LA is coming up here um, in a couple of weeks, Miami NFT Weeks coming up. I mean, these conferences where you can interact with people in real life and connect with them on a, on, a, on a more human level is super, super important. A real easy cheat is just set your Google Alerts for NFT. So, literally, just put in NFT and get a daily alert, and you'll get a, a download of every NFT article for the day. Great way to catch up to, to speed on what's going on in the space. I think that A16Z Crypto Canon is another great source. It has links to articles, videos, really comprehensive. And then I think NFT podcasts, I have a podcast called NFT Heat, where I interview the top thought leaders in the space. And just through that, I've learned a ton about the NFT space. So I think those, you know, you don't have to do all five, but a few of those things, if you start to do them, you'll start to pick up uh, kind of your, your knowledge on NFTs. And I just, I think we're all in it together, but it's still so new. It's so nascent. I mean, nobody, like, like Ben said, is really an expert. So I think we're all here to support each other and just, just try to figure it out together.
0: Yeah, John, those were some great resources. Thank you so much for sharing. We are going to get into the open Q&A. So if you're in the audience and you have a question, just raise your hand and we'll bring you up on stage. Before we do that, I do have to address something that we didn't define. And I know Ashley is an expert on this. And that's Web3. It's tech's hottest buzzword. The term seems to be evolving rapidly. And I would love to understand the difference between Web 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0. Ben, do you want to... Do you want
1: to unpack this? <laughs> sure. All right. So yeah, web, web 1, Web 2, Web 3. The the terms don't refer to like a specific technology, but rather a concept of the internet. And so Web 1 was the early days where you could only read information. Web 2 is when you can read and write information. And Web 3 is when you can read, write, and own information data in the internet. And so what does read, read, write, read, write, own, really mean, if you go back to Web1, it's really those static kind of news portal sites that you remember, like AOL.com, right? Yahoo.com, where you're just consuming information and there's like a central party uh, company like AOL that's writing all the information and that's it. That's all you can do on the internet is you just read information. Web 2.0 was a huge innovation. That's really what we're seeing kind of here, right? Like Clubhouse is like Web 2.0 and like Facebook is Web 2.0 and all these like interactive things that you can do on the, the internet where not only are you consuming data, but you're also producing data. You're posting, you're talking to people, you're uploading images, Instagram, things like that. And that's extremely powerful because now most of the internet is like user produced information. That's like where we spend all our time, Facebook, Twitter, you know, Discord, Clubhouse, Reddit, whatever it is, right? It's all just random people on the internet coming together and naturally producing stuff, YouTube and so forth. And so that's really powerful. But the problem is you don't own any of that information, right? And so this is a huge thing with content creators. It's like if you're on YouTube, YouTube takes like 40% of all your revenue. And like Facebook does the same thing. And all these platforms have this monopoly effect. Because you can't leave it, right? Because where are all your followers, right? If you like are like, hey, crap, I want to make more money on YouTube and like, you know, YouTube's taking 40% cut or like Twitch or whatever it is, you know, you can't leave because they're like, you know, we have all your followers, right? We own all your data and everything, right? It's all on our platform, controlled by our databases. And if you go somewhere else, you're gonna have to start from scratch and you like are totally screwed, right? And so Web 3.0 is really a complete re understanding of what the web can be, where they're no longer exists these like massive monopolistic kind of like platforms that kind of own all this information. Rather, you can own everything yourself. And so we're seeing a lot of different ways that this is coming about. And NFTs are really central to this entire concept, where NFTs are the real building block that give you digital ownership over assets. And that asset can be anything from the actual content that you produce and so forth to the followers and all this stuff and the way that the web3 kind of world is written is a lot of stuff is made at the protocol level and not the application level and so what that means is it's kind of similar to uh, torrenting so i actually started another blockchain company back in 2017 that literally our goal was to try to do this web3 push where we would break the platform lock in fact and allow Content creators, like you know yourself, like things like that. People with all follow this following to like be able to own your own following and like have that following follow you across different applications, as opposed to being just locked into Facebook or Clubhouse or so forth. And how that works is think of it like torrenting. When you torrent something, you have seeders and leechers, right? People who own this like information on their own computers and then they share it with other people, and you have this little torrent file, and that torrent file. Really, you can plug into any application. It doesn't matter which torrenting client you're using. If you're using, you know, uTorrent or Azuris or QBitTorrent or whatever it is, you have access to the same underlying data, the same seeders and leechers. And so, this is something that in Web three, kind of like you can do things this way, where everything is on this protocol level, where. The application doesn't own the followers or the content or things like that. It's the like underlying blockchain or the technology built on top of the blockchain, just one layer up. And then you just have complete control over your own information. And yeah, the same thing with NFTs on the more basic level, Web3 is things like just NFTs itself. It's you're the one owning your own assets, where before you post all these... Amazing art pieces that you make to Instagram. And Instagram's the one making all the money from it. Instagram's like a hundred billion dollar company, but all these artists aren't making anything on Instagram, right? Because Instagram, when you post it to that, you like share in the terms of service the rights for Instagram to kind of partially own some of the copyright and be able to like profit off sharing all your work and things like that. Whereas with NFTs, you can sell your NFT to someone else and you take all the profit yourself. And so those are kind of the powerful concepts coming out in Web3.
0: That was such a great explanation, Ben. And something that I just want to chip in here that's super interesting to me is all of these NFT land purchases happening right now. So they have these NFT metaverses like NFT World and Decentraland and The Sandbox. And you can actually buy land in the metaverse with NFTs. So to me, that's kind of like the future of how NFTs will evolve. Does anybody have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, super interesting. I think the, the like the land thing in the metaverse is just we're just at the basic starting line of what NFTs will be in the world, where I really think the overall total value of NFTs will exceed the value of like actual physical assets. And the large part of that is the metaverse and things like land in the metaverse, where the physical universe is pretty constrained. Like there's only so much room on Earth. And it's actually difficult to like get to most places on Earth, right? There are only a few like major cities that people live in and the rest of it is just like uninhabited and like you have to travel by a plane costs a lot of money. They can only hold so many people, whatever. All those constraints don't exist in the digital world where you can literally teleport into central land. There's just like a little jump button and you go, boop, and then you go like anywhere in the world. Right. And so there's no constraints geographically anymore. You can have a concert in the metaverse where literally you can have people from Asia, Europe, Africa, America, all together in one place. And you could hold it, hold it for like a million people. Right. And it's just like, Totally possible. There's no physical constraint, and because of that, like arguably, you know, maybe this land or digital assets on top of that land in the metaverse are worth more money than in real life. And a thought experiment is like maybe there's a billboard, and what's the value of a billboard if you buy one in real life? Well, it's really that people see it, right? And it's an advertisement, and maybe twenty thousand people pass it, and you know, maybe that billboard is worth twenty thousand dollars. Who knows? But in the metaverse, you know, theoretically, you could have a billboard that also 20,000 people might see. And if that's true, then directly that billboard should have the same value as a billboard in the real world, right? Because it's the same kind of power. It's a mindshare, you know, people are actually seeing this and the advertisement spread. And maybe it's even more powerful because you can target more specific or more broad demographics. You could have a billboard that's seen by a global audience rather than just literally people in LA or New York or something like that. And so there are just like so many possibilities that we're just starting to see with land and assets in the metaverse. And I think that's super, super exciting and definitely one of the coolest things happening.
0: I agree. Awesome. So guys, we're moving into the Q&A portion. If you have a question, just raise your hand and we'll bring you up on stage. Dimple, you're up first. What is your question for the panel?
4: Yeah, thank you so much, Hala. And I came into the room late, so I don't know if this was answered, but for beginners, when it comes to determining which NFTs they should be buying or investing in, what are some tips or the process that they can go through to determine that? And maybe what are one or two red flags that they should look
6: for when they are doing their assessment of which NFTs to invest in?
0: Great question. Just flash your mic if you want to answer that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Happy to take a crack at (laughs) it. And um, yeah, yeah, no, I I love the question. I mean, it's one of the most important things. And so I I love, I love that you're looking at both red flags as well as like, you know, the, the positive flags. And I think Brian actually covered a lot of the really good ones before. So you definitely want to look for things where there's a team with a doxed Like a you know background where you can see everything that they've done before, they're not anonymous and they're clearly experienced in building and they've you know done companies before. An NFT project isn't so different from making a company. It requires long-term commitment and a long-term vision for what someone wants to do, and also having like good values behind something where the red flags that kind of, I stay away from projects that like focus solely on the price or how much money you can make off this thing. Right. And there's kind of a paradox where the projects that tend to do the best are the ones that care least about the price and think of the prices basically kind of a byproduct of their success at actuating an actual mission that they're trying to perpetuate in the world. And by Default of like doing that. I think World of Women, for example, is a really good example of this. They really just want to set a powerful example for women to make the world more inclusive, more equitable, bring more people into Web3 that are women and so forth. And like as a consequence, it's become this massively successful project where every single one is worth tens of thousands of dollars and it's traded like hundreds of millions of dollars. And you know, it's not that they've ever focused on the price, but just by Really having a mission and a vision that people align with and values that people align with, the community you know really resonates with it. It grows, and there's um, there's something that I kind of like say is, um, and I personally don't try to get into anything where I would sell it if it went up 10x, or I would sell it if it went down 10x. And if I personally have that much attachment to something, and the powerful thing with NFTs is you know uh, they're emotionally sticky more so than Ethereum. Like I hold Ether just because. I think it'll make me rich someday and I like really won't be sad if I sold my ether. There's no emotional attachment there. That's totally untrue for my NFTs. I've never sold a single NFT actually ever. Uh, I've collected over 30,000 in the last four years and like I hold all of them. And I'm going to hold them for five, 10 years at least because I would be extremely sad if I sold them for any price. If I sold them for 10 X, I would be sad because I was losing this piece I loved and if I sold them for like a 9% loss. And of course I would also be sad. <laughs> and so, um, if I feel that way about something, I feel that um, that's a good sign that chances are other people are going to feel the same way. And right. if that's true of all the people who are kind of buying into a project, no one's going to sell if it goes up or if it goes down, then chances are, you know, as more people grow and get into this project, and no one's selling, the price has naturally, you know, one place to go. And that's that's pretty often. So that's that's kind of how I really, ultimately, I think everyone has to do their own research. That's the big thing in the space and assess a project. And the best way to assess it is just to see how you, emotionally feel about the project and truly genuinely if you want to hold on to this thing for long term and if you really do and you really believe in it chances are other people feel the same way and it'll be a good project
4: thank you ben so i think you're saying like basically you know go after the causes that you really truly believe in and that's going to lead
1: you in the right direction exactly right yeah thanks for summarizing so much better than me
0: (laughs) brian what do you what, what would you like to add Yeah, just just one thing to add, uh,
3: and Ben touched on the first point. I was going to say, find things that you're passionate about. And what I've experienced with some of the NFT projects we've created, a lot of the value is the friendships that you're going to make inside of that community. Uh, And I've seen some incredible things happening with our own projects where people are meeting people for the first time because of of our NFT project. They're building amazing friendships or helping each other. So you know that's I think a piece of the value when you get involved with these NFTs. In addition to the utility and the potential increase of monetary value, you may have I think you know, in, inside the right community where you love the people, it's positive, it's engaging. You'll feel really great about being part of something, uh, and that may be worth more than any any money uh, attachment that this thing could be worth a year or ten years down the road. And I I would, you know, in my own companies, I never look at, I never compare or really compete with anybody else. I don't like to look at others because it takes away the value and the the self-worth that you have. So if you get involved in a small project, that's fine. Don't compare it to any of these big ones that are selling for millions or tens of millions of dollars, because you'll never feel good about what you're involved with. So I would suggest starting small, finding things that you're passionate about. And it's OK to get burnt once in a while. Just do it at a very small risk appetite because that helps you learn. It's like buying a stock. If it's a New York Stock Exchange stock, a NASDAQ stock or a pink sheet stock, you're, you're taking different types of risks. Some are a little bit less volatile, but just just go into this market with, with you know the idea that you may, you may have a winner, you may lose everything, but there may be other reasons why you find value spending your time here.
0: Yeah, and I feel like such a theme in this segment and episode is the fact that NFTs really have more value than just simple ownership over a digital asset. It's this whole community aspect and you know, providing value by the people that you meet and who's behind it and the engagement of the community and the things that you can offer that community. There's so much more than just that piece of artwork or music that's behind it. So I think that's really interesting. And if there's one thing that you learned today, I hope it was that and you understand NFTs a lot more. Uh, so let's go to the next question. Eth, you're up next. How can we help you today?
5: How you doing? I got a question that touches on a point Ashley brought up in terms of you a project and the roadmap and seeing if it's realistic or not. Um, my question is directed to Brian. I'm a part of Babes. I support you along with the community. My question is, how did you deal with having a roadmap that a lot of people looked at and talked negative about in terms of being able to pull it off? And... How could you respond to just how the team dealt with that and how you actually did pull it off because you did? <laughs>
3: Thanks, pal. And you are one of our most biggest supporters on Twitter. So thank you for for everything and being being part of this journey with us. The team is amazing. We have you know we have people that have been through so much in, in their career. I'm used to problems. You know, it was going so fast, so positive, so quickly. That was actually making me more nervous because I was like there's got to be a problem. <laughs> Where's the problem? Uh, and we ran into our initial problem with, uh, we went after to, to launch this thing on Polygon. We had Twitter Spaces with their senior management. Uh, and you know, I think we were part of breaking their system and we overloaded their network. And, and most projects would have failed right then. But we quickly moved it over to Ethereum less than 24 hours. And we had a successful launch uh, and, uh, you know, half a day later, but we didn't give up. We don't quit. Problems are... That's part of life. That's part of business. That's just that's just the reality. Uh, I personally don't look at people talking negative. I can't stop that. If somebody has an issue with what we're doing, I, I can't focus on that unless we're doing. Unless I know we're doing something wrong. The only way that I can earn trust in any of my companies, including this NFT space, is to execute. Is to continue to add value continue to move forward. If we have hurdles, get over them. And that's how we're going to ultimately have the best group of holders in in our BAPES project that believe in us, but we have to perform, and, and we are. So, you know, at the end of the day, to answer your question very longly, there's always going to be people that doubt people. I'm sure there's people that say negative things about Elon Musk, but he's doing quite well. You know, that you can't stop people being negative on things. I wish they would spend their time Rather than being negative on something, find something that they love and spend that time being positive with it. But I can't change people's demeanors or where they want, where they want to do or what they want to say. I, I, I can't allow that to affect anything that I do, except prove them wrong. But I don't even that's not the that's not the motivation. The motivation is to build something great, have a great team, build a great community, provide exceptional value, and then at the end of the day. The negative people are going to get bored with us doing what we say we're going to do and they're going to go bother somebody else. So that's that's where my mentality is. And thank you again for your tremendous support. It means the world to us. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: We'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors. Young and Profiters, as you may know, I launched my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass a little bit over a year ago. It was my first course. And so far I've generated well over $500,000. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash profiting. (laughs) Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password and then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination yahoo finance.com that's yahoo finance.com so i want to piggyback off that whole conversation point and i have to say from my personal experience crypto technology is not that user-friendly. There's so many different exchanges and wallet providers and things seem to like glitch all the time. So I want to talk about some obstacles when it comes to NFT adoption. So anybody who hasn't talked in a while, maybe Ashley, Ben, John, anybody want to chip in in terms of obstacles for mainstream adoption with NFTs?
4: One of the newest things that, that I've seen in regards to um, even like Web3 websites, I whenever I try to go on one on like Chrome or on my desktop, it doesn't work. So even having to deal with the smallest things, is like going to certain like websites or trying to see people's roadmap. Um, I guess the browsers are not really catching up. Sometimes when I go for my phone, that's an issue, but obviously that's just something that um, technology has to catch up on. I know another issue that we've been seeing is the hacks and discords. And scams, especially since uh, when people usually join, they don't really, you know, understand how it works. And they're super excited about getting engaged into the community and they click on links and then people's wallets will be wiped out. Unfortunately, there was like a really, really bad uh, situation with Ozzy Osbourne. He had to make like another discord and people hacked like all the hundreds of thousands of people in his first Discord. So I've definitely seen like that be an issue. Also when people actually like launching collections in regards to like crashes or different sites, whether that be OpenSea Foundation um, that is not really used to having that much traction, you know, all at once the site may crash or people may not be able to actually, you know, connect their wallet at all. So there's tons of different bugs. I mean, whether that be with Web3 or even Instagram, Twitter, they still have, you know, Malfunctions all the time, so I definitely think that people need to keep that in mind. That this is technology, which means it's not perfect, and there's going to be you know issues at hand. But I feel like as long as creators and people who are putting out projects like accurately communicate with people, then ninety percent of the audience will understand.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. To uh, Ashley's point, just piggybacking off of that because this is our huge passion point. It's literally why we created our project Curious Tavies is the main the main obstacle we see is it's such a steep learning curve technically to get into space. You have to understand things like, you know, what's a private key? How to keep a private key secure? Why, why do you need to use a hardware wallet? Like, what is gas? Like, why do I have to pay so much money to like send a transaction? All these like totally insane things that like in the future should be abstracted away where, you know, just like the internet. It's like using the internet in 1995 before, there's like a browser and you're like using a terminal command line and you're like typing in like a curl commands like go get page and it's like all this crazy stuff that like almost no one could use the internet back then and yet now any like grandmother can use like TikTok and like you know post a video it's just much more simple and so the long-term solution the major obstacle is we have to abstract away the difficulty of all this technology no one should need to understand what private key is how to keep your stuff secure and like you know do all this stuff but unfortunately that's going to take at least another five years is the the roadmap that kind of I see because we're literally still building out the fundamental blockchain technology today, right? Like Ethereum itself is like still going to ETH 2.0 and like it's not even called ETH 2.0 anymore. It's a consensus layer and like all this stuff, like they're still trying to figure out the technology. And so, what we see as the real obstacle—the thing that we're trying to solve at Curiosity—is to educate people, to teach people how to safely get into space, to avoid number one, most importantly, like Ashley said, are the scams, right? How to teach people not to fall for Discord scams, how to teach people not to get hacked with their wallets, how to teach people not to go on phishing sites, not to uh, you know accidentally sign a transaction that's fake, and so forth. And those things come down to we made Curious.xyz, where it's a site that you can go to, and you can literally just go and. Learn from the ground up. If you've never touched crypto before, you never set up a wallet, we walk you through every step of how to set up a wallet, how to mint your first real NFT. We actually airdrop you some Matic for free on Polygon, and then you can go and mint your first NFT. And we kind of do these interactive tutorials to walk people through the process of the technical difficulties and abstracting those away. And then we also, um, we're building a Q&A site that it's, um, you can go to our Discord right now, discord.gg slash And then there, you can uh ask any question we have a service where literally we our entire community just like answers questions and right now another thing we see is there's just no good place where people can go and ask questions about anything from the technical difficulties to, you know, help, they got scanned, what do they do? To like, you know, how do I evaluate this project? Does it look legit? Like all these things. We're building out a full-fledged website to that. Right now it starts with the the Discord kind of bot that we created where you can ask a question and anyone gets an answer and you can search all the questions that have been asked before. But I think just more education in the space is super critical for those reasons to get people to safely understand and enter a space.
0: Yeah, and Ben you is like super well-known for being an educator in this field. So thank you so much for joining us today. And that's Curious Addy, just so that's super clear for everyone. It's Curious Addy, just Google that and you'll be able to find it. So we're going to move along to our last question of the night. W, how can we help you today? Uh, I was just sitting
6: back listening. Um, I am interested in um, NFT. You know, I'm interested in the data lock that's the most important thing I'm interested in as an artist and as an educator and a content creator, I would like to just own my own stuff without having to go through the the data being, you know, hijacked online, you know, and I think somebody was talking about this earlier today, like how our data is is really not ours when we write something on different platforms and how um even if we write it to ourselves and we say, oh, it's only our eyes is only seeing this. But then we start hearing things that we wrote out. <laughs> and, and being, you know, utilized to make other people's, uh, you know, monies and, and, and fame and fortune and not being compensated and, and not having any way to, to, uh, combat that. So I just, you know, want to know how can, um, when is a, a user friendly version of this? Like you're saying, um, nobody should have to know what a private key is. But uh, I do what like I would like to know all of that information so I know what goes into building something like that. But when is that going to happen? Or or how how can uh, you work together to make that a, a reality where it, you you um, can easily access or it's more user friendly? Because I, I was approached to go on, I uh, think it was disrupt art, and I I, I didn't see a, a way that I could interact with them.
0: Well, one thing that I want to add is that we're going to be back here on March 17th, 8 p.m. in the Human Behavior Club, and we're going to be going over NFTs for content creators. So we're going to be going over the minting process. There's going to be a lot of artists on the panel who are really going to help us understand how to use NFTs as a creator. So I think that will be a great session for you. I'm not sure if anybody can actually answer your question because I think it involves everybody in this space. And so I don't know if there's any clear answer to your question, but Ben, I'm sure you have something smart to say about that.
1: No, I think you uh, you said all the smart things, so I have nothing left to say. But <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think these like sessions like this are so helpful, right? And it's so amazing that you're doing this, Salah, to educate people in the space. And the next session, the three part series is perfect, right? They'll just walk through all these things. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it really to your point exactly. It requires all of us working towards this to make the space safer over time and like more easy to enter and like all these things. And we're getting there, thankfully. Like this year is much easier than like four years ago. It's like night and day difference. It was totally impossible to do anything like, you know, uh, back in 2017. And um, it's getting better. It's going to take a lot more time. Sadly, with the technologies, it just takes time. In the meantime, what we're doing, you know, is to try, try to educate people. We we put out content. We have an Oz Academy course on NFTs that kind of makes it easy. If you want to learn all those things, like you were talking about the private key and all that, like the curious... Dot .xyz website if you go there curious.xyz we walk through and we have explanations interactively so you can learn by doing so as you actually mint your first nft as you set up your wallet you can click and learn oh what is a private key you know why do i need one why do i have to pay gas like all those things so we're we're trying our best to do the education but hopefully over time there are just uh, tools that are also built that abstract all of that away and it makes it really easy where you mentioned, you know, you were trying to join the project and it was just really difficult to know how you could actually interact with it. Hopefully in a few years, we'll have just um, ways to make it very simple to onboard and so forth. But um, in the meantime, I think education is a big one, things like these clubhouse spaces and so forth.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, W, for your awesome question. All right, guys, we're about to wrap this up. To close this out, I want to give all my panelists an opportunity to let you guys know where they can be found um, and where you guys can connect with them. So why don't we close this off with a round robin? Why don't you guys tell me why you think NFTs are going to be so impactful in 2022 and beyond and where people can go find you after this? Why don't we start with Brian and then we'll go to John, Ben and Ashley.
3: Yeah, thank you again, Hala, and the rest of this amazing panel. Brian J. Esposito, I typically only use LinkedIn and Twitter for all of my communications. My corporate website's eie.rocks, eie.rocks. It is a holding company now that consists of over 85 entities, over 150 joint ventures from around the world, and proudly operating in over 25 different industries. And I believe as long as projects continue to do things correctly in the NFT and also the crypto space, Uh, With the right team, the right execution, and treating people's hard-earned tax money with respect and dignity, I think we can create one incredible market that continues to create value and utility. And I'm honored to be part of this market with some exceptional projects and talented people out there.
0: Thanks, Brian, for joining us today. John, final thoughts?
2: Fantastic panel, Paula. I, I love just listening to all the panelists. I learned so much, actually. So uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's where I spend most of my time. John, and then last name's Kraski, K-R-A-S-K-I. I mean, since I've been in the NFT space, I literally grew my LinkedIn following from about 10,000 followers to almost 25,000 followers in just a year or so. LinkedIn, there's a lot of great activity going on, so definitely check me out there. I, I post almost every day. I also host a podcast called NFT Heat. We just released our 40th episode focused on top thought leaders in the space. And we really focus on female and diversity inclusion. That's super important to me. So as part of my community building NFT thought leaders, I'm really focused on representing females and unrepresented voices. And we're also going to be hosting an NFT super conference as part of NFT thought leaders in October. Um, It's going to be in Austin. And the, the whole lineup and panel Panels are really going to be focused again on that female and diversity inclusion. So, you know, we're building right now web three, so from the ground up. So why not address this issue right now as opposed to web two that you want to, you know, kind of addressed it after the fact. So that's super important to me. But uh again, amazing,
1: amazing stuff, Paula.
0: Awesome. An awesome mission. I didn't know that. Ben, any final words from you?
1: Yeah. First, yeah. Thank you so much again. Paula, oh, this is amazing. And Actually, John, huge, huge round of applause for you. It'd be awesome. Uh, I should connect you with um, our CEO, actually, my, uh, who's you know a woman leading uh, this entire Curious Eyes project. And uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. I totally agree with you that inclusion is like we we have a chance to completely changed the makeup of web three from day one. So it's really important and it requires people to actually do that work like you are. So really cool for you doing that. Um, yeah, so we're curious at you can find us at curious Addys on Twitter. That's curious, a D D Y S and discord is discord.gg C A T C. And so that's where you can go. You can ask any question that you have on Web3. We'll get answered. 95% of questions get answered in six hours if you use our question service. And to answer your question, Hala, of like, you know, what, what we see and where we see NFTs going in 2021, last year, NFT, uh, crypto at large, crypto.com did report in January 2022. 300 million people uh, are in crypto now up from 100 million in 2020. And this year, they actually see that accelerating to a billion people. So it's the first time that we're actually seeing on the scale of hundreds of millions of people people coming into crypto. And they're not going so deep yet. Like the active monthly users in OpenSea are still like half a million people, but it's growing exponentially. And this is really the year that I think we're going to see a lot of people come into the real use cases. They're coming in at the top of the funnel into buying crypto, and they're starting to dip their toes. Last year, they dipped their toes into NFTs. This year, I think, is the year that they're really going to start coming in in a real way. Where we're seeing major companies come into space, brands, Nike, Adidas, so forth, and see a lot more of that. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see the space really go mainstream in a lot of ways.
0: It is super exciting. Ben, you dropped so much value. And yeah, I hope you join us for the upcoming sessions as well, because you are just like such a knowledge base. So thank you so much again for your time. Ashley, any final thoughts from you? Yes,
4: thank you again so much for having
0: me. And you guys can connect with me on um, LinkedIn.
4: It's just my first and last name, Ashley France, as well as Twitter and Instagram. It's the Ashley France. I really, really focus on. Discussing the launch and marketing aspects of NFT projects and also teaching small business owners, creators, et cetera, how to integrate NFTs into their current business. So definitely make sure to connect with me on there um, and sign up for my email list. I'm going to be dropping gems on there as well. And in regards to the NFT space, I definitely think NFT memberships is going to take over this year. Um, we've definitely progressed since the start of CryptoPunks and Bored Apes, and more and more people are seeing the importance of not just buying the NFT, but what you can get after purchase. Purchasing it, so I definitely think NFT memberships are going to be taking over this year.
0: Amazing, Ashley. Also so much value. Thank you so much to all of our panelists. Again, we had an amazing conversation today. We talked about what an NFT is. We talked about the different applications, community involvement, Web 3.0, the metaverse. We talked about so much. It was so great. So I know all of my young and profiter's out there are really going to enjoy this episode. And I encourage you to rewind it a few times because there was a lot of information packed in this one. So thanks again. This is Hala and friends signing off. Until next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to a live episode of Young and Profiting Podcast. I want to thank Ben, John, Brian, and Ashley for having this conversation with me and for helping to explain and simplify NFTs. The NFT world is changing super fast. It changes every day. So understanding the basics is crucial for anyone wanting in on this space. From defining what an NFT is, to understanding why they're valuable and how they grow in value, to getting insight on the community aspect, to understanding how they're used in the metaverse, we covered so much in just part one of this three-part series. And remember, there is episode two and three coming out soon. Be on the lookout for that in April and part 2 is all about nft for artists so we'll cover the minting process and part 3 is all about investing in nfts and how to identify scams or rug pulls so i can't wait to continue this conversation again part 2 and 3 is coming out in april so Be on the lookout for that. Thanks as always for listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to drop us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform, or you can DM me on Instagram or Twitter at Yap with Hala. Thanks again for listening to this live episode of Young and Profiting Podcast. And until next time, this is Hala signing off.